Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, I want to minister today on the lines of kingdom inheritance. Kingdom inheritance. You know, we've been taking quite some time now in breaking down truths in the word of God unveiling and unfolding the mysteries, right? Everyone say mysteries. Remember we said this last week, mysteries are not, you don't discover a mystery through information. You discover a mystery through revelation. Everyone say revelation. So you did not come today, I hope, not to just merely be informed. You came today to discover something, amen? And what I love about the purpose of God and the plan of God and the kingdom of God is you, it's not decided, it's discovered. I said, it's not decided. You know, we got people today trying to decide stuff they have no business deciding. Huh? Come on. You you don't decide. uh, you, You look at the makeup. You look at the design. You look at the functionality. You look at what it has, what it contains, uh, what what uh, uh, role or assignment it has, and then you discover how to put it to its best maximum use and maximum effort. But you you minimize, compromise even, the purpose and the value of something when we start to redefine things and we start to tear things apart or we allow things that shouldn't be allowed or we incorporate things that shouldn't be incorporated. And, and we're seeing this in such a physical way in our country right now. Back in my home state of Texas, is just this past week, they were uh, uh, getting a, an order, SB 14, trying to get it passed, which would prohibit the mutilation of the bodies of minors for the, sex, for the uh, purpose of sex assignment and sex change. The fact that we even have to fight that today just blows our minds. I hope that that blows your mind. I hope that this isn't normal activity, just tolerable activity. But what happens is you are deciding something that ought to be discovered. Instead of investing value and worth and identity into that person and into that child and into that young person, we're we're allowing them to decide on their own. The the, the, the non-negotiables, the intangibles, the things that we have no business deciding upon because we have a creator, right? We've got a designer. We've got a manufacturer that knows the very best for the know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. He knows how it ought to work. He know, He did not leave anything out when he created you. You're not missing any pieces, So stop looking across the aisle wishing that you had what they had because they're probably looking right back wishing they had what you have. Amen. God didn't mess this thing up. There's no accidents. There's no mishaps. There's no, well, let's figure out what this is going to do. He knows all that before it even comes into the earth, before I formed you in your mother's womb. He he knows the before, before. Like he goes all the way back. Before the foundations of the world, he predestined this thing. And so we got to understand this matter of revelation, uh, unveiling and discovering. We are on a journey of discovery. What an exciting life this is. And what an exciting time to exist. Amen. Stop living through life wallowing and in pity and, oh, when are we going to get out of here? And why, oh, if we could have just in the simpler days, he chose the best. 
right? You know, when the game's on the line, down to the wire at the end, you know, we got all kinds of championships going on right now, basketball championships, and I think hockey's playing championships right now, got all kinds of things. And I think Lowndes High School's going to the championship this Tuesday, playing for the state. You're putting the best on the field, man. We're not picking, you know, the, the bench. We're not just picking anybody. You are the best that God ordained and desired to be in this planet at this time. Say, I am the best. I have what it takes. I can accomplish the purpose. I can fulfill the assignment. Yeah, you got to be saying these things to yourself because you'll quickly begin to feel like I got no place. This is over my head. This is way too much. How can I accomplish? How can I do? How can I speak? How can I say? How can I share? How can I be? No, you have been, you were ordained and designed for such a time as this. I don't know who that's for, but it's for somebody. And you need to receive that word today because it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. So that's free of charge. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is his good pleasure. Could I get another bottle of water, please? I I thought I had one up here, but it might, somebody, one of my worship team members might have not stolen it. I wouldn't call it that borrowed. You can give it back later. Do not fear, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure. Everyone say good pleasure. The passion translation reads this way. Don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. You notice he's, 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 uh, uh, you know, punctuating this with fear ought to not be involved in the life of the believer. Fear ought to not be involved in the life of the Christian. The one that knows rightly what he has, rightly who he is, rightly what belongs to him, his rights, his privileges, his benefits, that you know your place, you know your authority, you know what you have, you know what belongs to you. He says, if you know that, you'll never live in fear. You'll never be afraid of anything. You'll never uh, be worried, concerned, anxious, uh, any of those types of things. Why? Because you know what belongs to you. He says that he's giving you the kingdom. Don't ever be afraid. Your loving father joyously gives you his kingdom with all its promises. Everyone say all. He gives you his kingdom with all of its promises. In Acts chapter 26, I'm gonna set the stage a little bit. In Acts chapter 26, And verse 18 says to open their eyes. Everyone say open eyes. That's, that's, not, that's not natural eyes. Talking about that revelation again. Eyes on the inside, the inward man. Open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, everyone say and, an inheritance. Now, we have found a way to put a period where there is not one. 
Because the way many believers would read this verse, it would read like this, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness and from the power of Satan that they may receive forgiveness of sins, period. We have a, a great awareness of what we've been delivered from. But I would ask you, do you know what you've been delivered for? There's two different things. From darkness to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and, here it is, an inheritance. What rightly belongs to you. Again, I would ask the question, why do we have a greater awareness of what we've been set free from than what we've been set free for? And I'll remind you, we saw this, uh, it's probably been a couple months now that we looked at this in John chapter three, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, man, we see the signs and the wonders and, and we hear the powerful message. We know God must be with you. And Jesus responds and says, a really weird statement. You would think of, thank you. I agree, I concur, you know, something like that. No, he says, you can't even enter the kingdom. You can't even see, there it is, see the kingdom unless you've been born again. Now, apparently, Jesus had a different interpretation of born again than you and I do. Because born again, for us, for, for most Christians, doesn't usually equate to seeing a kingdom. It usually equates with getting free from something but again, we know more of what we've been delivered from than what we've been delivered for. And Jesus is saying, man, the baptism life, the, a, a, a baptized one, one that, that has come into the kingdom, one that has been born again, one that has been redeemed and renewed, you have been set on a journey of discovery of seeing what is yet in front of you. And we've allowed the enemy to twist, manipulate, and and watered down salvation or born again to merely coming out of something. If I ask most Christians today, uh, what have you been set free for? You know, the, the, the most likely answer I'll get is heaven. Something that doesn't even happen until you stop existing on this planet. So what am I doing with the other 50 years of my life? 70 years of my life. 30 years of my life. What am I doing on this? I'm sitting around waiting. Born again means sit around and wait. No, apparently these guys had a different understanding of what our life would be like in this planet while we are awaiting the full redemption and the full uh, consummation of the kingdom of God and the full uh, reign of Jesus back on the earth once again, Jesus returning to, but apparently there was something in between that, that we find ourselves missing out on because we don't see what they see. Why? Because we would rather be informed on Sunday than have something revealed to us on Sunday. And remember, information and revelation require two different levels of investment. And I hope you came in today on the investment level of revelation. I hope you came in today, uh, as we talked about last week, that I'm not the one where it just falls by the wayside. 
I'm not the one where I receive it with joy, but it gets choked out by the time I get to the parking lot. I'm not the one that I'm excited about the word of God and I'm living it and I'm breaking down barriers and I'm beating the devil in until I get distracted by the cares of the world and the riches of this life and the deceitfulness of wealthy living and and all the good things that the devil can't get you with the bad things and he'll distract you with the good things. Right, we saw this last week. I wanna be the one that is fruitful, bearing a harvest, bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. The seed that goes in ought to produce something. But that's a different level of investment. That's more than just dragging yourself out of bed on a Sunday morning saying, ah, gotta go to church. If a gotta go to church is a statement in your house, don't even bother. It's a waste of your time. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I mean, I, I, we, we want you in the house of God. But the, the, the investment level and the value that I place on being in the house of God, it's gotta have a priority level. It's gotta have, if you want maximum results, you gotta have maximum investment. You cannot be discontent with little results if you're content with little investment. Huh? That's not gonna work. Not in the kingdom. It's got to be a value, got to be a worth, got to be a priority. This is investing time. You're investing in yourself. I'm investing the word in you. I'm not spending my time with you. I'm investing my time, meaning there's a harvest that comes back. There's a different expectation. And so he says to open their eyes. In the uh, CSB version, It says this in Acts 26, verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins. Here it is, and a share among those who are sanctified, a share, New King James read, an inheritance among those who are sanctified. The CSB reads, and a share among those. An inheritance is uh, defined this way, an allotted portion. On the simplest level, an allotted portion. It's something that belongs to you. Inheritance is something that is already yours. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to try to earn it. We're gonna break this down today. The inheritance, and now I only know the inheritance, he says, if my eyes, my spiritual eyes, my heart is open to receive that. Now the enemy is working in people's lives that think their inheritance is giving my life to Christ and dying one day and going to heaven. He's working through that because you're missing out on what the inheritance really is. And apparently the inheritance is not so easily seen or received that it's just left on the surface. Uh, We saw several parables last week as well uh, where Jesus likened it one, uh, in one parable, he likened the, the mystery of the kingdom, your inheritance, what belongs to you. He likened it to a treasure buried in a field. This isn't just surface level stuff. It requires a press requires an urgency. It requires, I'm gonna dig and find out what belongs to me. I heard someone put it it this way. It can be in your account, but not in your possession. 
Let's say that again. It can be in your account, but not in your possession. I mean, just think right now, if somebody, if you literally have an inheritance to your name of $50 million, it literally belongs to you, but you have no idea, you have no knowledge of it, no one's ever shown it to you, you weren't there when the, when the will was read. You have no idea this belongs to you. You have no idea uh, 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 inheritance. It can also include not just things, but it can also include titles or ranks. What if that, what if that were the case right now? And we've been living paycheck to paycheck and we've been barely making it and we've been striving to just get along, just barely, and, and, and then to, to find out that you didn't know, Aunt Carol, she left you a million dollars. You didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Are you serious? I mean, wouldn't that, would that, that would be life-changing, wouldn't it? That'd be life-altering. But you know how many believers walk that life? It's in their account, but it's not in their possession because they don't know it. I can't act on what I don't know. I can't live beyond my understanding. And so we, we see this uh, throughout uh, God's word, especially Paul's writings, that there is something that we need to be clued in on. There is something we need to discover. There's something of an inheritance, an allotted portion that belongs to us. In Colossians chapter one, look at a few more verses here. Colossians chapter one and verse 12. Colossians chapter one and verse 12, giving thanks to the father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. In Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter eight. Uh, Actually, let me go here first real quick. Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, um, start with verse nine. Ephesians one, verse nine. He made known to us the mystery. Everyone say mystery. The mystery of his will. Remember we said this last week. It's not hidden from you. It's hidden for you. You know why it's not easily accessible? Because he wants you to value it when you find it. We just did Kingdom Rise conference down in, in Fort Walton Beach this past week. And, um, you know, we, it's, it's designed, it's very intentional. We're ministering on the kingdom. The kingdom is the framework. The kingdom is the lens. And that's what we've been doing these last several months now, that we've been reframing the word of God and everything we know or thought we knew of the word through the lens of the kingdom of God. This is a book about a kingdom, its king, and its royal offspring, its children. That's what this entire book is about. This is not a religious book. Jesus didn't come to introduce Christianity, didn't come to introduce a religious, uh, another religious lifestyle that just gets tossed up with all the other religions out there in the world with the religious figure. Jesus was not a religious figure. He was actually a political figure. He was the king. Getting a lot of blank stares right now. We gotta work on our lens. Gotta work on our framework. That's why we miss the word of God. But this is what people tell me when they start seeing the kingdom lens. I've never seen that before. Or it all makes sense now. This all makes sense. The kingdom makes the entire Bible 
makes sense. It is the lens, it's the framework through which everything in the word is shaped from Genesis through Revelation. One of the nights that Pastor Earl ministered in St. Augustine at our Kingdom Rise there three weeks ago, he did what was called, and we're gonna use this, the kingdom thread. Maybe some of you have heard the scarlet thread from Genesis through Revelation. You can see Jesus and the lineage of Jesus all the way through. Well, he did the kingdom thread, and you find the kingdom in every single book. Just, it's hammered in there. God, I was like, how did we miss this? It's all that Jesus talked about was the kingdom. The kingdom of God is like this, and the kingdom of God is like, he talked about the kingdom so much that people thought he was bringing a literal kingdom and that he was coming as a literal king. And they tried to take him as king. You say, whoa, you're misunderstanding because this is the thing. What we fail to understand, we'll usually redefine. What we fail to understand, we tend to redefine. If I don't understand it in its original design and intent, I'll decide what it's gonna be. And we're seeing that on some of the most gruesome, ridiculous levels today. You don't understand it, so you redefine it. No, I need to understand what the designer put in place, what the manufacturer intended from the beginning. Otherwise, I misuse it. I abuse it. And then I wonder why it doesn't work for me. Huh? Because my Bible doesn't make a great podium. And this podium doesn't make a great Bible. That sounds really immature and silly uh, to think that way, but if I'm using this as my podium and I'm using that as my Bible, I'm not getting very far. But when I understand this is the Bible, guys, we're living in this day. We're calling good, bad, and bad, good. Boys, girls, and girls, boys, or whatever else you can come up with. We're calling evil good and good evil. We're calling up, down, and down, up. God, we're getting it. God, and Pastor Earl brought this out, man, at Kingdom Rise. It was so amazing. He said that, that for, for months, probably for years down in St. Augustine, they were praying for the exposure of darkness in the political realm. And this isn't Democrat and, and Republican, but there, there is darkness that needs to be exposed. But, but this is what uh, Pastor Earl said the Lord moved him to just either last week or the week before, I think, in prayer. He said, stop, stop praying for the exposure of darkness. It's being exposed. And people are still choosing darkness. We're living in the day where Jesus and Barabbas are standing on the stage and they're choosing Barabbas. We're living in that day, guys. It needs to be exposed. It needs to be brought to light. But people don't think that people are gonna be, oh my God, I can't believe he's so, they'll still say, ah, I'll still choose it. They're murdering babies. Ah, they got other policies I need. I didn't like that one, so we'll just keep moving on. We'll just go on to the next one. That's where we're at. Darkness is gonna get darker and people will still choose it. Ephesians chapter one, but verse 11 says, in him, we have also received an inheritance. Everyone say inheritance. Because we were predestined according to the plan 
of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of, I mean, listen to these words. This is amazing. He's got an inheritance that has already been predestined. He's already determined what you're, that means he doesn't wait for you to see what you're gonna do or how you're gonna live to determine what your inheritance is. Now, the level of authority of the, the level of inheritance that you live up to, that's up to you. The quality of inheritance that you live up to, that's up to you. But he's not withholding it, guys. He's not waiting for you to prove it. He's not waiting for you to earn it. He's not waiting for you to strive hard enough. You go to church enough, read my Bible enough, memorize enough scripture, pray enough prayers. He's saying, this is what belongs to you. Now, what you receive of that is determined by your knowledge or your understanding of it. Are you seeing this? It's been predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything, makes all things work together with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Um, Romans chapter eight, that's where we were going before Ephesians. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight and verse 14. This will be in several weeks, so we'll, we'll see how, we, how far we get today. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. Now, what he's saying is, is that ought to be a characteristic of every child of God. They, should, they, they carry the gene, they carry the DNA that listens to and follows the voice of God. They are led by the Spirit of God. That's what he's like. He, so this isn't, I don't, know if I'm, I don't know if I'm hearing the voice of God. Am I questioning my salvation? No, 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 no. You're in. Maybe we just haven't gotten in tune. That ought to be something that we desire to be led by the voice of God and by the spirit of God. And as we've been talking, you know, the beginning of this year, we kind of set forth that this was the year of abundant what? Clarity, abundant clarity, abundant clarity. To him who has, even more will be given and he will have abundance, overflowing clarity. God, Father, I know, I see, I understand, I perceive what you're doing, how you're working, how you're leading, what you're, how you're moving, how, you're, how I'm playing a part, how I'm participating, what, my, what is my piece in this thing? He wants you to know. He's not hiding it from you. He's hiding it for you, setting it apart. So those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, children of God. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful. There it is again. This eradicates fear. You want to get rid of fear? Discover what is yours. You want to get rid of fear? Discover what rightfully belongs to you. You want to get rid of fear? Discover who you are in Christ. The devil is far more afraid of you than you are of him. But he knows if I can keep you from ever discovering who you are and what you're worth, you'll never be a threat to my kingdom. It is good. It's really good. Verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you, adopted you, adopted you, chosen, <laughs> chosen as his own children. 
And now we call him Abba Father for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, here it is, we are his heirs. Everyone say heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. It comes with both. But the word that I want to key in on here is the word heir. This is what the word heir means. A person legally entitled, legally entitled. This is why you got to understand the kingdom. You're not religiously entitled. You're legally entitled. That's government. Meaning it's binding. You're legally entitled to the property or rank of another, this is key, upon their death. A person legally entitled to the property or rank of another upon their death, meaning they have to die so it be, it, you now have access. I don't want to get ahead of myself. They have to die. They have to die. We have created a Christianity that says we don't receive our inheritance until we die. But yet the Bible says we receive our inheritance when he dies. Two people got it. And that's the revelation I'm talking about. You need to see this. This isn't waiting until I die to get access to all that belongs to me. This is right here, right now, because Jesus chose to lay down his life, went upon the cross, shed his blood. They took his life. They didn't take it. He laid it down, but he was murdered before all of creation. He died so that you could live like him. He died so that you could live like him. The inheritance is yours by his death, not your death. The enemy has conned us, sold us a bill of goods that we don't, again, the enemy is coming up with this stuff. Remember, if he can't keep you out of heaven, he'll just make sure you are no threat to him on this planet. If he can't keep you from going to church, he'll get you to do it for the wrong reasons. If he can't keep you from reading the Bible, he will get you to do it for the wrong reasons. So this is where we end up. Where we don't access anything that the Bible repeatedly tells us we have an inheritance. We are heirs. As sons and daughters of the king, there are things that are rightfully yours, already yours, predestined from the beginning of time before the beginning of time, yours. And so this is what Paul prayed. Going back to um, uh, Ephesians in verse 15. Ephesians 1 verse 15. Going to move quick. Remember in verse 11, he says, in him we also receive an inheritance. So this is what Paul prays for the churches. Now, he, he says this multiple times, and it's all pretty much the same prayer every time. But in these two, he specifically mentions something that I, I want to key in. But in Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, um, I don't remember if Galatians carries it. I know Thessalonians carries it. He says, I'm praying for you. I'm making mention of you. I'm thanking God for you. He, he's saying these things. He's writing these letters to the churches, but he's praying for the churches. Now, what do you think he's praying for? 
church growth, better finances, greater discipleship, massive outreach, right? All the things we pray for for our churches. Oh, we can fill every seat, have multiple services and multiple campuses all the world. You know, and look, expansion is on God's heart. Growth and increase is on God's heart. That we'll have finances and provision to do everything God's called us to do. Those are prayers that we pray. We believe that every need is met before we had the need. Before we, uh, before we had the need, it was already met. And now we're just bringing it from the unseen to the seen so that we can do all that God's called us to do, right? We just purchased this property. We just purchased a house across the street. We're believing for the finances to cover these things. We're believing for the finances to continue to allow us to advance the kingdom of God, right? We believe and pray for discipleship, that you'll bring them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Bring them in from all over. Holy Spirit, draw them. We thank God for moves of God in our services. You you think he might be praying for them that they'll have great moves, that the Holy Spirit would manifest himself, that they'll have healing signs and wonders, converts left and right, disciples left and right, building each other up. He says, "That's that's not in one of these prayers that he prays. Not one of those items. But look at the nature of these prayers. I'm gonna look at this one in Ephesians chapter one. Verse 15, this is why, since I heard about your faith, because these are people that have faith. These are people that have come into the kingdom. These are people that have said, yes, Father, I want you as my Lord and Savior, Lord over my life. Everything I have belongs to you. I commit my life, give my life to you. I wanna be used for your glory. That's who he's talking to since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. Here it is, verse 17. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you, what's he praying? I'm praying that he would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Apparently when they came into the kingdom, they didn't receive all they needed in the kingdom. It's in their account, but it's not in their possession. They're not walking it out. They're not living it out. They're not acting it out. They're not producing it. And he says what? They need a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He's praying this. Why doesn't he just tell them? Because it's not discovered through information. Paul's saying, I could write the whole rest of the New Testament, and he practically did. And you still won't get it unless you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. The mystery of the kingdom is not discovered through information. It's discovered through revelation. I pray that the eyes, verse 18, of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Here it is. What is the wealth of his glorious inheritance? Inheritance. He's saying, you won't even know what belongs to you. You won't even know that you're an heir. You won't even know that you have rightful access a portion that has been allotted to you 
from the beginning of time. I mean, this is connected to what I just read in Ephesians 1, if you really read it from verses verses 7 through 14, he's talking about everything that belongs to you, everything that Jesus made available. It's powerful. You need to read Ephesians. But in the middle of this, he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just gotta let you know, I'm praying. I'm praying for you. It's not good enough for me to just tell you in verses seven through 14. I'm letting you know in verses 15 through 23, I'm praying for you that you'll see that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Because everything I just listed in seven through 14 will go if it's not revealed. If it's not seen with the spiritual eyes. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is his immeasurable greatness, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. He says, you're not gonna get this through information. You don't need another book, guys. You need your eyes opened up to what I've been writing you. He does the same thing in Colossians chapter one. Worship team, y'all can make your way. I got a third of the way through my message today. But that's okay because what I've learned in ministering is if you overwhelm, go too far, go too long or over deposit, it can hurt. And I'm hoping today by just revealing what we've revealed today that it's enough you can digest. Maybe you gotta take some home in a doggy bag and meditate on it later this week. (laughs) Leftovers. You should always take leftovers, by the way. Have notebooks full of leftovers to nourish you. You don't even have to stick these in the microwave, man. They're good just like this, the way it is. (laughs) Hallelujah. Isn't God good? In Colossians chapter one, verse nine, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Haven't, uh, since the day we heard what? That you came in to the kingdom, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, believed on him, made him your savior, made him your Lord. We haven't stopped praying for you. We're asking that your seats may be filled with people. that your services will be filled with his presence. No. We're asking that you may be filled. You may be filled. See, I wonder if we've been filling seats at the expense of filling people. I wonder if we've made the wrong thing the priority. Place the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Huh? I think we need to put the emphasis where God puts the emphasis. I think Paul knows what he's talking about. He planted a few churches, pioneered a few churches. He studied this for 14 years. Went to the third heaven. Went to the third heaven. Talked with Jesus about this stuff. Came back down and said, 
you could only know what I know, but you're only going to receive it through revelation. He says that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing. Everyone say fully pleasing. You know, we need to get that back in our churches. You know, on Mother's Day, Father's Day, parenting is just an incredible thing. It's incredible because you always will love your children. Always. No matter what. But now, are you pleased with them? That's a whole other thing entirely. I love you, but you're not pleasing me. I'm thankful for the love of God. It transcends. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But now in return, live a life walking worthy, fully pleasing, not half pleasing, almost pleasing, fully pleasing. I'll tell you a quick story real quick. John Bevere, maybe you've heard of him, great author, great minister. Back in the early 90s, he had written a book. I don't remember which book he was referring to, but he wrote a book. And Jim Baker, if you're familiar with Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, Praise the Lord, show, right? Got way off, embezzling money. Jim was sleeping around, hiring prostitutes, the whole bit. Ended up in prison for some money stuff, I believe. Called John Bevere from prison. Said, I gotta, I gotta meet with you. I gotta talk to you about this book. This book has touched me. So he's talking to him about this book and John Bevere it's early 90s. He's on the other side of the glass. Says, I just, I got to ask you, when did you fall out of love with Jesus? When did you stop loving Jesus? And he said, I never stopped loving Jesus. I've always loved Jesus. I stopped fearing him. I stopped desiring to live a life walking worthy, fully pleasing to him. Love responds with, I want to please you. I want to serve you. Walk worthy, he says, of the Lord, fully pleasing, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. This is what he's praying for this church at Colossae now. Being straightened, strengthened, with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, here it is, who has enabled you to share, everyone say share, in the saints' inheritance in the light. It's not informed, it's revealed. And I pray the same prayer for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. 
Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.